Hello, hello, hello. I basically just want to chit chat about my first year of teaching. I am currently in my third year. Actually, just kidding. It's the middle of summer. I just finished my third year. Wow. And not too long ago, it was my first year and things were a lot different back then. So I'm just going to talk through it, talk through some of the struggles, talk through some of the victories. And why I'm making this is because I'm leaving my job. I am going back to graduate school. Well, not back to graduate school, but I'm going back to school to to go to graduate school. Yeah, it's just a reflective moment for me, I guess. I'm feeling very reflective about my time spent teaching at my current job. And I just want to talk about it because I think for a lot of new teachers out there, it really is scary. <laughs> and it, it it is scary, but it doesn't have to stay that way, if that makes sense. So I feel like perhaps it's comforting to hear a story that's maybe not from your professor or your cooperating teacher about their first year, but someone who's a little bit closer to it. Somebody who truly just isn't an expert yet. I really am not but I'm learning and I'm working on it. And I've definitely learned a lot. So here we go. Basically, I graduated in the state of Virginia. And in Virginia, we have the specific license I got was a K pre maybe a pre K. I don't remember. I think it's K through 12. K through 12 or pre K through 12. One of those. Um, <laughs> I should know my own license. I'm pretty sure it's K through 12. But I teach pre-K through 12. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But anyway, K through 12 instrumental music education. So that is my licensure. I had to take an exam uh, called the Praxis. Uh, The first one, Praxis Core, I actually opted out of because my SAT scores were a certain number. And that is just a general math and language test. So if you score a certain amount, you don't take that. So I opted out of that. Uh, A lot of people do have to take it though. And that's the first step. The second step is the Praxis 2, which is based in your discipline. So I took that my junior year of college, like the last semester of my junior year of college. Aside from doing a couple like practicum and observation. So what my school did was we had 30 hours of observing. I observed a high school band director in one of the cities near me. Since I was music, I was able to choose any level and I was most interested in high school at the time. So (laughs) that quickly changed after observing in a public high school. Anyway, not to say that I wouldn't do that now or in the future or whatever, but it just at the time I was like, oh, this is not at all what my experience was like in private school. So there was that. And then we did practicum, or I guess the plural would be practica. A practicum was a little bit more involved than just observing. We would be asked to help out a little bit more and Um, to just do more in the classroom. Those were each 20 hours. We had two. One of them had to be elementary and one of them had to be secondary. Yeah, I did did all three of those things in different cities, the observation and the two practica. I did them in three different cities and I did the three different 
age levels. So I did my observation in high school and then my practica were both elementary and then middle school band. And then my practica and my observations were complete. My praxis exams were complete. You do have to take the VCLA, which is like a literature test. That's something you have to do in Virginia. There's just a lot of like little bits and bobs and tiny pieces that you have to take care of to get your teaching licensure. But anyway, I got through all of those requirements and I got to go student teach. And my student teaching, I was able to choose which levels I wanted to do. We had mm, seven weeks at two different schools. So we got to choose our city and our level. And we could give preferences to different schools or teachers or subject matters. For instance, like if you're planning on being an orchestra teacher, you would want to see orchestra classes and not band classes and not chorus classes. However, we did, we were made aware that like we could be placed somewhere else, but they really tried to get us in our uh, specific areas because that's the most helpful for us. So I ended up prioritizing elementary because we were told that chances are our first job would be in elementary music. Even if we desired to be middle or high school teachers, that a lot of times the job openings were in elementary school. So it was good to have that experience to get your foot in the door. So I made my first choice uh, or my first half of my semester of the internship, I made uh, elementary And then my second half, I did middle school band. And that's really where my heart was. That's what I loved more. But after I got through elementary, I realized I really enjoyed that too. So I graduated. Woohoo. Hooray. I got my teaching licensure and I applied around and I got an interview at a private school, very similar to the school I'd gone to growing up. So that was great because it's just a very specific model of school and I was very familiar with it. And that's part of why they took interest in me. I think the other reason they took interest in me was because of my elementary experience. Because when I went to apply, in my mind, like, yes, I want to be a band director, and that's my career goal at the moment. But they were looking for a band director and an elementary music teacher, and they were both part-time positions. So when I walked in and said, I want to be full-time, they said, oh, well, maybe you can do it all. Like, that's been done here before. We can, you know, work something out. So I got hired. That was very exciting, but also very scary. Um, I had a lot of stress and anxiety about it, but I was very excited at the same time because, I mean, it's the build-up to everything you've been wanting to do, everything you've taken all these exams for. You take all these courses and you have all these discussions and school is just so hypothetical when you're you know when you're training to do your career it's all hypothetical and this is the moment where it becomes real when you actually get a job and that's kind of overwhelming it was definitely overwhelming but i will cut to the chase i got this job not exactly how I thought I was going to. I initially interviewed to do all of the band up through high school, middle school, and then the elementary music as well at their two elementary schools. However, we also knew that that was a lot and we weren't sure. So they actually hired two of us. I was going to teach all the elementary at both elementary campuses. Also, co-teach at the middle school level. And then the other person who got hired 
was going to co-teach with me at the middle school level, and then he was going to take care of high school. And that was going to be our two jobs, and I was full-time, and the guy doing high school was part-time. And he did not end up staying in the position. And he ended up leaving in October. Rather than bringing in someone new, they decided to uh, extend my position to cover his classes and just remove some of the administrative work that I had uh, agreed to do as part of my position. And on the one hand, that was exciting because, wow, how in the world did I become a high school band director overnight? (laughs) This is literally what I thought when I went to bed. I remember it was a Monday when I found this out. I went to bed that Monday night and I'm like, how did I become a high school band director overnight? How did I do that? And obviously, like, it didn't happen overnight. Um, because I had done all this training and preparation and like, but it's just like, that's something that I had envisioned forever. And I was so just shocked, was really shocked. Um, because the next day I was teaching high school band and we had a concert in five weeks and I didn't know any kids' names. I didn't know their ability levels. I didn't know the music. I didn't know what they were playing It was just so scary, (laughs) but it ended up being okay. And not only was it okay, it was really great. It was really beautiful. So what did my day look like? Um, In the mornings, I would go teach band at the middle school and high school levels And then late morning or afternoon, I would go to one of the elementary schools and teach there. And so I was basically running three different programs. I mean, more than that, if you consider that middle school and high school band should probably be considered separate. So it was just a lot. I was was really overwhelmed with the planning. And, you know, in undergrad, that's one thing that you do spend time thinking about and talking about. And there's so much theory involved, like what's the proper way to write a plan? And we need to write our plans in the right way to please our administrators. And, And just all this different discussion. So when I got to the job, I just was like, okay, how do I actually do this? And I actually have a friend who started his first year a little bit after I did. And he said his first day, he just didn't even write a plan because he just didn't know what to do. Because when you're in school, you know, all those choices are made for you. You're going to use this format. You're going to do this worksheet. You're going to talk about these things. The goal of this lesson is going to be this. The objective will be this. You'll be touching on these standards. In Virginia, we have SOLs. I think in other states, it's common core standards. You know, we have certain SOLs that we're going to cover and like go home and write it and bring it back and we'll critique it. So you have all these restrictions and specifications, but when you're doing it on your own for the first time, you may not have those things. And I guess it depends on your school, truly, but that is something to sort through and figure out. I do think it's really good to write down your plans. I don't know if anyone reads my plans, but I read my plans and my plans help me organize my mind so that when I'm dealing with little Johnny Billy Sue, Johnny Billy Sue, you know how in in like education in your teacher classes, there are always names for like random example students. Well, 
Johnny Billy Sue, whatever. Um, <laughs> we always said Timmy Tuba because band people. Yeah. Little Johnny Sue's going to distract you because he's going to be tapping his pencil on his music stand. Or he's going to be like, I don't know, talking to his neighbor and then little, you know, whoever, whatever. I feel like I'm going to offend people with names because that just seems like a bad idea. <laughs> Let's just not do that. But when I first got to my job, I had an idea of how I wanted to write my lesson plans because of the formula that I came up with in my internship. The school that I was at in my internship when I was in band didn't really have a strict format for lesson plans. And honestly, neither did the elementary one, they weren't very strict. So when I was in the my second half of my internship at the middle school, my cooperating teacher told me to come up with a format, or maybe it was my supervisor, I don't remember. But I was instructed to come up with a format. And so every day in my internship, I would write lesson plans, and I would write them in this format that I had developed that was just based off of something that my uh, supervisor had sent me. She sent me an example of like a good band lesson plan format. Figure it out by doing some research, talking to some people, and seeing what the school districts that you're in and near are doing so that when you apply to work, you kind of have an idea. But I developed this layout that I liked, and it left some a lot of space for reflection. And every day in my student teaching, I would go in and reflect on how my lessons went. And it wasn't elaborate all the time. I would sometimes say, oh, we were going to go from measure 1 to 22 today, but we, o- we only got through 1 through 11. Or we got through more, and so we went on to 45 or whatever. But that just helped me when I was planning later for the next thing, and it helped me keep my thoughts organized. So I know that there have been days in teaching where I wasn't able to write out a plan as deliberately and as thoughtfully as I would have liked. And it honestly did inhibit how the class went. It's just always better to have a written plan. Do you need to spend eight hours on it like I did on my first set of plans? Oh my gosh, I was so overwhelmed writing those plans. I spent so much time figuring out what to teach that first week of elementary music. I don't know what it was, but I just had this block in my mind of like, I cannot come up with activities for elementary music. And so I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to like really think about this. And now I can write elementary lessons in like no time flat. And that's the thing about this is like, you're just, when when you're in your first year, you're figuring out your own rhythm. You're figuring out what works for you. And that ends up being comfortable for you. Like you need to find something that you can manage. And if you can't manage it, then don't do it. (laughs) Um, But do have a written plan. And of course, I mean, this is different if your school has a designated template um, where they're really strict about having every box and every line and every check mark and things like that. Um, I think some of the teachers in our school have stricter formats than we do. I already had like a detailed way of doing my plans and my boss was into it. So 
that's what we went with. That's what I went with. I say we, me. <laughs> that's what I went with. And that's what she was cool with. And she's like, you know, it includes all these things. It includes an objective. It includes what you're going to do. It includes your SOLs. Oh my goodness. That's what you need. She doesn't talk like that. I don't really know why I made that voice. Probably because I'm not really used to talking for this long, to be honest. The one thing that I didn't have clearly laid out for me was my classroom management plan. And I think I had it laid out at the middle school level and eventually the high school level when I took that part over uh, later in the quarter or later in the semester. I don't remember quarters. But my elementary, I just didn't really have a game plan. I just kind of was winging it and it got really bad. It was is not fun for like for a couple weeks it was just getting to where the behavior was not good and it was because it was letting things slide. And here's the thing, here's what's really different about teaching in your own job than teaching for someone else in their job as an intern. You have to establish the tone. You have to establish your rules your expectations, and your boundaries. And when you're in somebody else's role, taking over for them, those kids are used to coming and behaving a certain way for that teacher. So that's just what it is. There, Yes, you have to do some work, but you're going to much more easily be able to do that. And that's good. You know, when you're learning, that's what you need. However, that, that's just one of the most daunting things about your first year is figuring out how you're going to handle all those things. So I actually listened to some classroom management advice that I had gotten before and I revamped my plan for elementary, aka I actually had a plan. <laughs> um, the school did the clip up, clip down system, which if you're not familiar Basically, if kids do something good and positive that we want to reinforce, we clip them up. And if they do something the opposite of that, then we clip them down. And there's literally clips that you clip onto a chart. And the chart has colors, and each color is a different category. So if you're doing really well, you're going to be high on the chart. And you might be in whatever color, like kids will come in and be like, I'm on red, I'm in yellow. And I'm like, I don't know what that means because your chart's in your classroom, but I just know I can clip you up or down. And uh, when you leave the music room, your teacher will take care of it. (laughs) That was really effective. Like that is a really effective system. But I found for me in just in crowd control, I needed a general whole class sort of management system. And so I developed that and that worked for me. It made things a lot better. Did I master classroom management in my first three years of teaching? Absolutely not. Did I make great strides in it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's a couple things about my personality. I am very laid back when it comes to like, well, honestly, I'm just pretty laid back. I have some things that I'm not so laid back about, but in general, pretty chill. Oh, I'm also pretty like tolerant. So I tend to more easily tolerate behavior um, or tolerate how someone's acting. Like my inclination is not to like clap back, snap back, (laughs) you know, or react in any way. Like I've just always been very much a calm, like peacemaker sort of personality and I had always worried about this as becoming in, when intending to become a teacher because I'm like, will this be my downfall? 
are the children going to run me over? And um, guess what? They did. (laughs) They did a lot of times. And that's just how I learned. Also, one thing that was tough was that I um, had to learn to not like negotiate with students so much. And students would say, oh, well, you know, and say, well, if you do this, then you're going to get this consequence. And they're like, okay, I won't anymore. And then they do it. And they're like, well, I only kind of sort of did it because I did it like this half sort of way, but like not the full way. So it's not like really what you said, but it wasn't really like that. And I would sit there and try and reason with them. In what world is that good? Not in any world. Not in my world. Okay, let me let me give a little disclaimer. I feel like you do have to take into account students' feelings and students' genuine understanding. But a lot of times, kids are just trying to get themselves out of trouble. And you have to be able to know the difference. And you have to be able to stand your ground. And I just wasn't doing that. I was so intimidated as a first-year teacher. I was so intimidated, not to mention just some of the negativity that was already going on in the situation I walked into carried over to me, even though I hadn't done anything. The negativity was just there. So that was just really challenging. But you know what? I I don't, I have way fewer of those sorts of like back and forths now. Because it's just like, nope, that's what I said. And you did it. So here we are. It's like, oops, that's what you did. And I wish you hadn't done that, but you did. So this is, I don't want to give you a consequence, but I have to. So, you know, what's interesting to me, there is something out there about, there's more out there about like redemptive behavioral management. I really want to know how that stuff works because we talk about it and, you know, to an extent we do that, like there needs to be reconciliation. There needs to be a conversation. It's not just like, oh, you're getting detention and we're never going to talk about this again. But it's, you know, that student needs to be aware how this affected you and it should be very relational. And it's like, you know, this, you did this and this happened and this, how can we do this differently? How can we be restorative? And that is great. But then there are also some theories out there about not punishing or not not having consequences but having I'm not articulating this well about not having consequences there are some thoughts out there that involve just not having any consequences and just having it all be restorative and I don't fully understand what that means but I would love to know so maybe one of these days I'll get to research that a little bit more okay so I've just talked a lot about the process of becoming a teacher and a lot of the thought processes that go in at the beginning of teaching and establishing your classroom and establishing your culture and your your own personal rhythms for planning and your classroom management. I just want to kind of spend a couple minutes here and throw out some highlights, if you will, of my first year of teaching or like what were like the most exciting moments. So I'm going to have to think about this. This feels like a long time ago. I can definitely say that one of the most exciting moments was when my band placed first in our competition because we had just been through so much and I had received so much criticism from families because there was just so much negativity in my situation in general when I stepped into it and it lingered over into how people talked about me 
it was really negative and not really accurate. And I tried to learn and grow from it. But at the same time, a lot of it was just misunderstandings and communication improved a lot, I will say. And now at this point, all of those relationships that were kind of confusing in the beginning with families, those are all smoothed out. And those people are Team Tiffany now. They're on my set. Team Tiffany. What is this? Like Jake Paul's YouTube house or whatever. Um, <laughs> I know there's like TikTok houses, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, it's like famous social media influencers have these like houses that are really ritzy and like a bunch of them live there and it's like they're on a business contract and they have to make YouTube content or like TikTok content or whatever and they're like rules in the house and it's like really exclusive and it's like woo I I don't know anyway aren't we just so glad that we don't live in la la land and we live in the reality that is being a first year teacher? It's helpful to think about these things though, because that's the kind of in stuff that our kids are taking in on a regular basis in their media. So uh, if you could see me right now, I'm making a gesture that implies uh, taking in thoughts. And then on the other side of what you take in, something has to come out, right? So if people are being entitled and a dramatic then, uh, and that's all you're taking in, well, you might have a tendency to be uh, a little bit dramatic and a little bit entitled. So that's an example of a tidbit. You know tidbits, the um, the ice cream little candy thing? I've never had those, but I just thought about it. I think I'd prefer to eat regular ice cream and regular candy bars. Anyway, but I am here. You know what I am here for? I am here for some texture in ice cream. Like I just had some cookie dough ice cream. I am just all about that texture of like having little chunks of things in ice cream. It's a good time. I don't love just eating just plain smooth ice cream. I want some fun texture. All right. So I did say I was going to get to my highlights of my first year of teaching. One of them was the band winning uh, first place. That's what I was talking about before I went off on a couple of tangents. We won first place in our competition. Now, in full honesty, (laughs) we only competed against one other school, (laughs) but it was a public school. And so we were like, whoa, we beat them. And it was good. Like, We didn't get the highest rating ever, but we got a well-deserved, decent rating. So that was just really victorious because I feel like I was able to show people that I know what I'm doing, you know, because there's just this level of people are like, okay, this new teacher and, you know, we want our old teacher back and we want our old, old teacher back. And, you know, that's just a thing when you're teaching music or probably honestly any art is that it's just, if you had a good teacher before you, it's going to be hard on the kids to transition and it's going to be hard on the families and they probably will be skeptical of you for a little while. But in my scenario, that was especially true because I was new, I was young, honestly, I was female, and everyone before me had been men. So it was just a thing. But that victory really, really helped, at least in my mind, it helped. I think it just helped showed that, you know, I'm legit, and this program's legit, and we're doing legit stuff, legitimately. Okay, next good moment. Um, one kid told me I looked Tanner up close. That was very random. And it made me laugh. I'm like, 
if you know me, I'm like the palest person on planet Earth. Okay, there are people paler than I am, but I'm like real, real pale. So when he saw me up close, as opposed to like in the back of the classroom, he was like, whoa, you're not as pale. (laughs) You know, middle school boys be saying crazy stuff. What other highlights? Let's see. Hmm. Ooh, another highlight of my first year was going to Senior Regional Orchestra and just being utterly amazed. I think when you're when you've been a teacher for a long time, like yeah, it's good to see good teaching and good playing, but for me as a as a young teacher, it was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like the conductor is so good and the kids sound so good. And like my students in this group and he sounds amazing. And, you know, it was just so cool to be there, to take in everything that was happening. And it was just really enjoyable. I got to meet a lot of people as colleagues and feel just a little bit on the inside, you know. You know how when you're doing something new and you're in a new group and it's kind of that first time that you're on the in you're in the in crowd because you're a director. Not to say like in crowd like we're talking cheerleaders and football players here because we're just talking about band directors and orchestra directors. But I'm just saying it felt good to be able to like sit in the chair and eat the muffin that was for the directors instead of <laughs> directing the directors to the muffins, you know? Okay. Anyway, that was Senior Regional Orchestra. That was definitely a highlight. Another highlight was how much easier the spring concert was than the winter one. Our winter concert was the most stressful thing ever. I was so stressed about the logistics of it. I was stressed about how are we going to get kids on and off stage. I was stressed about how are we going to keep kids under control. I was stressed about how loud everything was, how no one could hear me because the room was just full of kids and instruments and it's a small room and people were everywhere around me. And I also just had to pull off the show and make it look like it was a great show. Like, let's have a great concert. Meanwhile, director falling apart. But you know what? It was totally fine. That's what it boils down to. I think I just realized, and my my boss told me this, my boss was really, really a mentor that first year. And she's always a mentor, but especially that first year, I would just sit in her office for hours. And sometimes, you know, we would pray and cry, and I am in a Christian school, so that is a thing. Um, (laughs) Crying. (laughs) I meant praying, but like crying too, you know. Anyway, (laughs) We're a pretty relaxed work environment. Everyone's on a first name basis for the most part. Yeah, it's a good place to be. So it was just a big relief. When that first concert was done, I saw that it was possible to do. <laughs> it felt so impossible. It was possible to do even that. And by the way, I only had five weeks to do it. <laughs> At least with the older kids. With the younger kids, I had a little bit more time because I'd been their teacher all year. But with the older kids, I took them on, you know, halfway through the first semester. So I really only had like five weeks to put that concert together. And that is not a lot of time. It went pretty well. And then the spring concert just felt so much better. And I, for the most part, could see progress from concert to concert. There were, you know, issues everywhere. And I I never, 
<laughs> issues everywhere. That just sounds like one of those things you don't say about yourself, issues everywhere. But my point is not that there are issues all over the place, but there, there, you know, there are things that we want to work on. And if there weren't things we wanted to work on, then I, you know, would probably be a little bored, <laughs> to be honest. If the whole thing was just perfect, what, what would there be to strive for? I mean, I guess in some ways it'd be nice if like all your trumpet players had great tone all the time and all, like you had figured out how to teach, you know, beginners to tune before the first production. And, you know, all these things would be nice, but like they don't always come together when you're first figuring it out because you don't know what you're doing because you haven't done it before. And that's just the reality. So taking in as much advice from other professionals, reading, listening to podcasts. I found a few that I really liked when I was a first-year teacher. I liked um, Crossing the Break, which was a clarinet podcast podcast that I learned a lot about clarinet pedagogy. Um, there is the Music Education Podcast, which is a band director podcast. There's just a lot out there for you to learn from. And if you're, especially if you're you know, driving to work and back, that's a good time to kind of think through some of those things. So um, learn as much as you can. There's also an aspect, and we might get to this later, but there's an aspect of your personal mental health and self-care that you need to look out for in your first year because it can be a really stressful time and you need to be aware of how you're doing. So make sure you check in with yourself. Make sure you slow down. Make sure you're not working every weekend and every evening. Like you need space for yourself. You need space to reflect and you need space for relationships and other people in your life. You need space to cook meals and <laughs> maybe exercise, um, sleep, probably before all of that. Like you need to sleep. So if your mental state is not allowing you to sleep, or not allowing you to rest, something needs to change. And that might mean going to therapy. It might mean taking more time for yourself. It might mean working a little bit less. It, I don't know, like, but it's just something you have to be aware of. Because if you're not, it will come back to bite you. And you'll burn out and you won't enjoy the thing that you're working so hard for. So it's a balance. You have to work hard in your first year, but you also need to <laughs> take care of yourself as best as you can. Did I always get enough sleep? Absolutely not. I honestly was so stressed out. I would lay in bed with my heart pounding, which I should have seen honestly a professional about that. Like if my anxiety was that bad, I should have seen a professional. I didn't do that until later on, but I should have done it then. But I was just so overwhelmed. And that's okay. You know, we have to have grace for ourselves. But point being, if you're laying in bed at night and your heart's pounding, you're so anxious. And this is like a thing that happens regularly because you're so anxious about your job and the things you're doing. Take a step back and do something about that. Don't just let it be because, oh, it's your first year. You'll get through it. Because that was a big motto for me. It's my first year. I'll get through it. And to an extent, that's true. Um, but some of that just wasn't healthy and I should have like probably gone to therapy or done something about it, which I ended up doing later, but I had wished I had done sooner, truly. So don't wait until you're super, super upset and distressed to talk to a counselor because you might just need to see someone for stress management. 
And that's okay. And it doesn't mean that you're incompetent or that there's something wrong with you. It just means you're a person and you're in a stressful situation. And so you're taking care of yourself and you're being proactive. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about my first year of teaching. I'm going to chat uh, next week uh, about some other topic that is to be determined and might be related to education, but I also might just not be related to any of that at all. I don't really have a set direction of topics. I just want to have a place to chit chat it up, to talk to nobody in my room, but then like make it like I'm talking to some, I don't know, I'm trying to make a joke here. It's not landing, but I'm just saying, please come back next week and hear whatever it is that my brain comes up with. See you next time.